At the end of chapter 10, we left Lily in the library with her new friend Jensen, and they were looking for books about tigers. And Lily thought she saw something that was orange and black over a couple of aisles. And we left her just as she was turning the aisle. Chapter 11. It's not a tiger, it's a boy. A short, white boy wearing a bright orange shirt, black jeans, and an old-fashioned newsboy hat over shaggy brown hair. Sorry, I blurt. I look over his shoulder. I could have sworn I saw a tiger tail, but there's nothing. We're just standing in one of the aisles surrounded by comic books. The boy laughs and tips his hat. Hello, I'm Ricky. I'm sorry we had to meet in a collision situation. Before I can respond, he shouts to Jensen, who runs up behind me. Hey, Jensen, you know I ran here from where my dad dropped me off in the parking lot because I know you hate when I'm late. He wipes pinpricks of sweat off his upper lip for dramatic effect. So it was really considerate of me just saying. Jensen sighs. Ricky, please keep your voice down. When Ricky grins, the corners of his eyes crinkle and little dimples form on his round cheeks. I can tell he's one of those sticky people because I like him right away. He turns back to me. So, hello. Who are you and what is your story and why are you in this sad little library? I'm Lily, I say, and then my mind goes blank. He stares at me, waiting for more, and I wish my invisibility would kick in right about now. Jensen saves me. Lily just moved in with her grandmother in the house across the street from here. Gesturing to Ricky, Jensen adds, Lily, this is Ricky, one of my summer two teas. We meet every Tuesday and Thursday. She turns directly to Ricky and says, and the library isn't sad. It's just a little run down. Is she getting tutored with me? Ricky asks Jensen as if I'm not there. I get the same feeling I have with Mom and Sam sometimes, like I'm, like I'm in the way or I've walked into a conversation I don't belong in, or I guess ran into it. I dig my toe into the floor. No, I'm just looking for books. His eyes go wide and he looks at the shelves of comics. Do you like comics too? I love them. I'm reading through the original Supermans right now. Well, the issues that Joe has here at least. I know a lot of people think Superman's not cool. And I'm not saying he's my favorite superhero. He's just canon, you know. Yeah, he's... I pause trying to think of something to continue the conversation, anything I know about Superman. I draw a blank. Thankfully, Jensen chimes in, Lily likes tigers, so she's looking for books about them. Jensen tells him, which is kind of embarrassing, I want to correct her. I don't like tigers, but I shrug and force a smile. Ricky's grin returns, whoa, I've never met a girl who likes tigers before. Well, yeah, if I were more like Sam, I would tell him the boys don't have dibs on licking tigers, but I don't see anything. I just wish 
we could go back to talking about comics. I mean, not that many girls talk to me, I guess, he continues, unaware of any awkwardness. But tigers are cool. They're like sleek and elegant, but in a ruthless way. I don't exactly want to think about how ruthless tigers are. You can't trust a tiger, I say. He nods slowly. You can't trust a tiger, he repeats, like I've said something fascinating and he's trying to commit it to memory. I like that. My great-grandpa was a tiger hunter, but that's actually really bad because tigers are endangered and that's illegal now. So my dad doesn't want me to tell people about that. He pauses. I mean, okay, that's enough stalling for now, Jensen says. Let's get to work, Ricky. She drags him away and they leave me standing in the aisle, head whirling. Maybe I imagine the tiger, but I don't think so. The tiger was here. I know it was here. What would have happened if Ricky had interrupted? What would have happened if I'd caught it? A sleek, elegant, ruthless, magical tiger is hunting my family and I chased it. I can't tell if that was incredibly brave or incredibly dangerous, or maybe a bit of both. Chapter 12 The next afternoon, Mom's at another interview, and Halmoni naps through lunch, which is unusual, because even though Halmoni loves to sleep, she loves eating even more. Sam's upstairs on her computer, and I have nothing to do but snack on peanut butter cups, paste, and think about the tiger. Here's what I know so far. The tiger found Halmoni, or at least the tiger found me, which means it will find Halmoni soon enough. Tigers are determined. It wants the stories, and it will do whatever it takes to get them back. The Hosa should have kept the tiger away, but I saw it in the library so that obviously didn't work. We need more protection, and even though talking about the tiger upsets Halmoni, I need to tell her. When I can't pace any longer, I slip into Halmoni's bedroom. The dust dances in the air, catching in the window light, and the misty light from outside makes the room hazy. It feels like I've stepped into a separate world like a little mini-universe, trapped in time. I pull back the covers and gently shake my grandmother awake. Halmoni, I whisper, Halmoni, wake up. She mumbles and turns over in bed, so I shake her again a little harder, maybe a little too hard. She cracks her eyes open. Lilybean, she murmurs, you hungry? Not really, I say. Honestly, I'm pretty full on Peter peanut butter cups. She climbs out of bed, slowly and intently, like she's climbing out of quicksand. Sitting on the edge of the mattress, she stretches, and I can almost see the sleep sliding off her. She looks weak. How moony, I blurt, my tiger questions temporarily on hold. Is the bug gone? Are you sure you're okay? I am better than okay. My family is here. That's all I ever want. She smiles, but her words wobble. You stop worry. 
Speaking of worrying, I dug at one of my braids. I think we need more protection than just the hosa. I saw the tiger again. For a second, fear ignites in Halmoni's eyes, but then she closes them and shakes her head. When her eyes open again, she is soft and smiling. She opens her nightstand drawer and pulls out a sheaf of dried herbs. Then she breaks off a piece and places it in my palm. This for you. This make you safe, okay? So you don't worry anymore. I stare at the shriveled plant and look up at her. What is it? This mugwort, she explains. This my medicine to eat, but you don't eat. You keep in your pockets and it give you protection. I thank her and slip the dried herb into my pocket. And this, she hesitates before reaching behind her neck and unlatching the necklace, the, chil- the silver chain with the pearl pendant, her special necklace, the one she wears every day, the one she rubs between her fingers when she's trying to find the right English words. This helped too. You wear for protection and it keep you safe. My pulse beats in every limb as she fastens it around my neck. It's heavier than it looks. But this is yours, I say. Yes, and now it's yours, Lily. I press my palm against the pendant. It's warmer than I expected. It warms my chest and I like the way it feels, heavy above my heart. Did this really keep you safe? I am here, yes. I pinch the pearl between my fingers, and it seems to buzz with energy. But what about you? Don't you still need protection? The tigers are hunting. She smiles, but it's not a regular Halmoni smile. It doesn't match her eyes. I be safe, Lily. I am not worrying. I'm not so sure. And when she sees that in my eyes, she says, Okay, we go grocery now. We get even more protection, extra help against bad spirits. We buy pine nuts to burn and rice to scatter under full moon. Also, I need fresh ingredient for rice cake. I smile, feeling better. She leans closer, and I buy you favorite treats because I am best. She pauses. Well, your mother is best. But I am best, best. I laugh. You are. She raises an eyebrow. No, now go tell Sam. After I call Sam downstairs and tell her where we're going, she leans on the dining table, crossing her arms. That's not a good idea. Didn't Mom say you're not supposed to drive? Hamoni's eyes dart away, and I get the urge to pinch my sister. Sam is a black hole for happiness. You can drive if you want, I tell Sam. She recoils. I I don't know. She could drive. She has her permit, and Halmoni's a licensed driver. Mom keeps bugging Sam to practice. But of course, she won't. Sam tried two lessons with the driving instructor and refused to get behind the wheel after that. Nothing bad happened, but she won't do it because of Dad's car accident. Hamuni presses her palms against Sam's cheek. Life is not for waiting. We go now. We be okay. Sam tugs at her white streak. But Mom said, 
Hamonitisks. Your mother don't know what she says. I'd be fine. Sam looks unsure, which is ridiculous because Sam never cares what mom says. You can stay here, I tell her. There's a flash of hurt in her eyes and then annoyance. No, I'll come, she says. Hamoni claps. Good girls, I go change into fancy clothes. Sam frowns. Why? Grocery, Hamoni answers before disappearing into her room. Sam shakes her head, but a tiny smile tugs at her lips. And I feel happy, too. Halmoni is Halmoni. Weird is her normal, and I don't have to worry. With one hand, I pat the mugwort in my pocket. With the other, I grasp my pendant. Everything will be okay. I just know it. We arrive at the grocery store with a short list for eating. Mochi flour for rice cakes. Wasabi peas for mom. Happy nut crackers for Sam. Peanut butter cups for Lily. For extra protection, five grain rice to scatter in the woods. Pine nuts to burn under a full moon. For miscellaneous laundry detergent. Sam raises an eyebrow when she sees the protection category, but... She doesn't say anything. We have to leave here in half hour because rain coming soon, Halmoni says. Sam frowns. It's not going to rain today. The weather app says there's a 0% chance. Halmoni just pats Sam's head. Half hour. That's fine, I say. We won't take that long. I'm about to head off to check the greens aisle when a woman with bright red curly hair runs right up to us. You must be the granddaughter, she squeals. I'm a little worried that she's about to pinch our cheeks, but she refrains. Hamoni beams. These my little ones. Your grandmother is the greatest, the woman gushes to Sam and me. She cured my asthma with her plants. Sam takes a very small step back. That's cool. The woman stays to chat with Halmoni for a while, and when she finally flits away, a bald man tells us that Halmoni made him laugh even after his divorce. And then an older woman tells us that she plays cards with Halmoni. It's a lot to take in, especially when I'm on a protection-finding mission. Halmoni introduces Sam and me to everybody she sees and they all tell us how pretty we are how sweet i try to keep track of everyone but their names slip through my mind their faces blur together Halmoni is so popular here everybody knows her everybody loves her and i have no idea who these people are after about 20 minutes, Sam pulls me into the cereal aisle to hide. Halmoni tricked us, she says. This isn't a quick grocery run. This is a whole event. She knows everyone, I say. Yeah, which explains the, night clo the nice clothes, I guess. Sam grins. Halmoni has a lot of friends, I say, checking our list. I guess there's no harm in waiting for Halmoni. Sam plops down on the floor. There are so many people we don't know, and they all have a story about her. It's like she has a, a secret life. 
I join her, sitting on the tiles and leaning against the store brand frosted flakes. I don't say anything, but she knows I agree. Our sister telepathy hasn't disappeared completely. I pick at the stitching of my jeans. Speaking of stories, I wait for Sam to roll her eyes, but she doesn't. So I continue. Hamuni told me this weird one I'd never heard about tigers. Sam raises an eyebrow. A silent, go on. I take a deep breath. You know how Hamoni always said that the stars were made of stories? Well, apparently that's true, and the tigers used to guard them. But Hamoni stole some of the stars and hid them in jars or something, and now the tigers are mad. Sam frowns. That's a weird story, Lily. Hamoni's crazy. She's not crazy. Don't say that. But anyway, she said, when did she tell you all this? The first night we were here, but her eyes faltered the pendant around my neck. And when did she give you that? Automatically, my hand flies to my chest, covering it as if it's something to hide. Just now, before we left, she was talking about different kinds of protection. Sam unties and then reties her shoelaces for no apparent reason. I don't know why she never talks to me about this stuff. I didn't realize that Sam wanted Halmoni to tell her stuff. For a second, I considered telling Sam everything about how I saw a tiger that should be impossible and about how I chased that tiger even though I knew it was dangerous and I still can't really explain why. But then I hear a familiar voice in the next aisle. Maybe we could make muffins or cupcakes or something like we could use mom's recipe or the sticky buns she used to make. It's Ricky. When I rise to my feet and press my ear against the cereal boxes, Sam gives me a look that says, What is wrong with you? I don't have any answer to that. I know what's wrong to eavesdrop, but for some reason I don't stop myself. Maybe it's because Ricky is sticky, or maybe it's just because I'm nosy, or maybe it's because Ricky was there when I saw the tiger. I tiptoe down the aisle until I reach the end. There's a big buy two, get one free display of Lucky Charms, about a hundred stacked cereal boxes, and I use it as a spy shield. I peek out around the side. Invisible, I tell myself, calling on my superpower with all my might. Ricky walks down the aisle with a man who, I'm guessing, is his dad because he looks like a grown-up version of Ricky. Same messy brown hair, same big blue eyes. I wonder if Ricky's great-grandfather looked like that too, the tiger hunter. Sam frowns in confusion and follows me to the end of the aisle. Lily, she calls, but I shush her and she joins me in the spine. Who's that? She whispers. I shake my head so she'll be quiet, but she nudges me in the ribs. Sam is incapable of being invisible. 
I met him at the library, I say, as quietly as I can. Sam makes a hmm noise, a noise that says she knows not something I don't know, which is annoying, but I ignore her. I'm busy eavesdropping. Connor loves that recipe, Ricky's saying. He's looking up at his dad with a kind of desperation, but his dad's not paying attention. Did I tell you about that one time when I made it? He ate like four whole servings. No, not like four, like six actually. Then he got really sick and he threw up everywhere and... Ricky, quiet. Ricky's dad massages his temples. I get this sinking, glued-to-the-ground feeling. This is an awkward family moment. I should mind my own business. We probably shouldn't, Sam murmurs, but I keep watching. Ricky's dad pushes a cart, scanning the canned goods, and Ricky jogs along after him. But, Dad, I'm pretty sure I told you this story. Do you remember? It was when we were at the laser tag place and Ricky... His dad snaps so loudly that Sam and I both step back from the cereal. Ricky looks up at him, face open and hopeful, like he can't tell his dad is upset with him. And I shot him right in the chest with the laser only so it's not like he could actually feel it. And then, will you just shut up? The words echo through me. I feel the horribleness of them in my chest, squeezing hard. Sam tugs at my shirt sleeves. Come on, she whispers. I look over her shoulder to see Hamuni standing at the end of the aisle, basket full, waving us over. She points to her watch and mimes marching and then rain. The grocery store is mostly cleared out by now and she's worried about the weather. Gaia, Hamuni mouths. Let's go, let's go. But I can't leave now. Staying feels wrong, but leaving feels even worse. I inch closer, pressing myself against the lucky charms. I watch Ricky stop walking, lips frozen, mid-smile, but eyes wide with hurt. Slowly his smile fades, and he stares down at his shoes. I lean forward. I don't know this kid, but I know that feeling. I want to reach out and say, I see you. I want to, only there's no more time for wanting because suddenly I'm falling forward. The cardboard display falls over and then I'm on top of it, sprawled out on the floor in front of Ricky and his dad and the rest of the grocery store surrounded by cereal boxes. Oh man, Sam says, backing away from me as if embarrassment is contagious. Down the aisle, Hamuni hurries toward me, but her hurrying isn't very fast, and I'm just lying here on the floor. I look up at Ricky and his dad, who look down at me, staring in surprise. Ricky blinks. I know you. Mmm, I say. I try to manage a shrug that says something like, Oh, hi, what a coincidence running into you here. But it's probably more like I was spying and heard your dad say, Shut up, and now I'm lying on a mountain of cereal. Are you okay? Ricky's dad asks, looking both startled and concerned. I nod. Yeah, totally fine. I was just trying to decide if I wanted cereal, but I don't think I'm going to get it. 
Ricky's smile comes back, spreading slowly across his face, and it's just a what-is-she-even-doing smile. But still, Sam snorts, which is rude. I stand up and clear my throat. Bye! I'm very much ready to run away now, but Halmoni's finally made it here, and she stops me. Halmoni runs a hand over my hair, which is probably a mess, and beams at Ricky and his dad. Hello, boys! Ricky's dad clears his throat. Hello, Echa! Halmoni smiles at Ricky's dad and points at the cereal. You help me fix that, please? He lurches forward and props the cardboard shelf up. It falls right back over. I guess completely crushing it ruined its ability to be a shelf. Sorry, I mumble. All okay, Halmoni says. We stack. So Halmoni, Sam, Ricky, his dad, and I work together stacking the boxes. It's incredibly uncomfortable. I want to disappear because they don't know that I was eavesdropping. But it's obvious, right? When we're done, Hamoni puts her hand on the dad's shoulder. Thank you, she says. It is always good to help each other when we need it. She turns to Ricky. See, I have struggled here, and you, Dad, help me. Sometimes parents and grandparents need help, too. Sam and I exchange a glance. Now is not the time for one of Halmoni's life lessons. Turning back to his dad, Halmoni says, And when Ricky has struggled, you help him. We always remember to help each other. You both good boys, and you have hard times, I know that. But when you have hard times, you come together, not apart, okay? Halmoni glows with both fierceness and kindness. It's like she's lit up from the inside, like she has stars burning inside her. And I realize she knows. She must. I'm not sure how she managed to overhear their conversation, but somehow she did. Ricky and his dad both nod, and the dad looks a little embarrassed. I think he knows he was wrong. Ricky looks over at me, and I shrug, as if I have no idea what Halmoni's doing. But really, I get it. I wanted to tell Ricky, I see you, but Halmoni's talking to Ricky's dad. She's telling him, I see you, and I see the way you could be. Even though Halmoni's fierceness had nothing to do with our tiger protection plan, I can't help thinking I was supposed to see this. This is part of her 